Hey there, family. Welcome back to a whole new podcast here at U-Turn Orlando. We're so psyched to have you guys. For all those of you who want to have more information on our church, go ahead to www.myuturnorlando.com. We love you guys. Enjoy. Everyone today, good, good, good. Let's just, I'm going to go ahead and start off with some prayer. I always like to put God first. So I'm going to go ahead and pray us into this message. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for who you are, Father God, today. I thank you for what you're doing in our hearts. I thank you that we're not defined by who's here, who's not here. I thank you that we don't need music. I thank you that we don't need, Father God, other things to worship you, Father God, to come before you, God, to seek your face, Father God, to hear from the Lord, Father God. Today, Father, we we just ask that you have your way, Father God. We ask that you move like you move, Father God. It's not by power, not by might, God, but by your spirit, Father God. We know that you have a word for us, for those that are here, God, and those that are going to listen to this word later on, Father God. I pray that you put a special anointing, Father God. Let it be your spirit penetrating our hearts, God, to Just learn what you're speaking to us and what you have to speak to us today, Father God, to change us, to transform us, Father. But I pray all this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen, amen, and amen. All right, so we're continuing the series of A Cross-Shaped Life. That's the February sermon series, which um, Pastor Richard has been sharing great messages. Last week's message was on... A cross-shaped parent. How many remember about that? That was a great word. You know, with the three points, don't move ahead of God, right? Don't uh, The consequences of moving ahead of God, which he was speaking about Hagar and how, how Sarah and Abraham, they moved ahead of God and God's reaction to a single mother. So the fact that God sees you in every situation in your life, God sees you. But that was a great word that he shared Today we are going to be talking about a cross, the cross-shaped identity. Somebody say the cross-shaped identity. Cross-shaped identity. Come on now. Yes. So we're going to be learning about our identity in Christ, who we are, get to, know, get to know him so we can know ourselves because that's how we find out who we truly are. So that's why I'm going to be uh, touching base today is basically on who God, who is God, who are we? That's the first question that kind of came up to my mind where once I heard the, the, the topic, Pastor Richard told me the topic, he's like, okay, we're talking about a cross-shaped identity. I was like, ooh, this is important because there's an identity crisis going on in this world. Many people are, they're, they're trying to find themselves in things and, and the things that are going on. They identify maybe with work. They maybe identify with, with what they were called or who they think they are. But that, that brought me to that one question. Who am I? Have you ever asked yourself, who am I? Who really am I? And what that brought me to, to think of was, like I was saying, a, an identity crisis. There's, an, there's a lot of confusion in this world. There's a lot of uncertainty, you know, with everything going on, with the pandemic, with the war rumors, and even in daily stress that people go through in their jobs and, and their families. But there's an identity crisis going on where people are, are insecure People have, have been uncertain, and there's this statement that C.S. Lewis says. He says, in such a fearful world, we need a fearless church. We need a church that is representing Jesus. Because we, if they look at Christians and they say, man, 
they, they, they're walking, they're, they look like us. They're panicking as well. You know, they have, they have something, we have something they don't. We have Jesus Christ. We have Jesus, the firm foundation and who we can find our identity in. But I wanted to share just something that, that it brought to my attention when I asked myself that question. It reminded me of a game. It's called Guess Who? How many of you guys have played the Guess Who board game? You got to put up that slide. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that game, it, it, the way it works is you try to ask your, there's two people playing and you ask them, uh, you try to guess all the people who are on their board because they have faces on their board and, the, and you have faces on your board. And you have to try to guess and identify those that are on the other side. Do they have a hat? Do they maybe have a mustache or maybe do they have this or that? And you try to find out how to identify that other person on the other side. But in this game, sometimes we ourselves are trying to guess our own identity. You know, maybe we might identify ourselves just as our nationality, right? Or we might identify ourselves with our job position or maybe even in the church, you know, maybe a certain position that we have. But at the end of the day, we ask ourselves, what, who are we? That's actually one of the, the, the five questions of the human heart that Miles Monroe shares, that we look for our identity, we look for our purpose, where's our source, where are we coming from, where are we going, who are we? Those are the five questions of the human heart. Every single person has asked himself that question, including myself. I've definitely asked my question, that question plenty of times. God, who am I? Like, who, what's, where am I going? Because I, I don't know where I'm going right now. You know, I'm taking step by step. I'm walking by faith. But I ask myself, who are we? Who really are we? So I want to uh, focus on a character in the Bible. His name is Jacob. Everybody say Jacob. Jacob. Yeah, so I want to share on Jacob and how he identified himself. Well, he didn't identify himself, but his brother identified him as as a label, as a deceiver, as a cheater, because those that know J uh, Jacob, he deceived his brother twice. He deceived him, and a little backstory was his parents, you know, when he was born, they were actually twins. They were fighting in their mom's womb, so whoever comes out first. And he literally came right behind him. He came right behind him. They called him, he was holding on to his brother's heel, and that's literally what the meaning of his name is, <laughs> which is pretty weird. You don't want to want your parent to call you uh, the one who holds on to the heel <laughs> if you're the twin coming out. But uh, the mother got a prophecy from God, which was the, young, the older will serve the younger. And as there was fighting in there, you know, I'm pretty sure he was, they were fighting whoever comes out first, which is pretty crazy. But that's his backstory and what was happening, just to help you understand what, was, what is going to happen. So I'm going to share a little backstory in Genesis. If you guys have your Bibles or your apps, in Genesis 27, we have, have it on the screen. Genesis 27, 31 through 36. I'm going to go ahead and read that. So Esau prepared a delicious meal and brought it to his father. Let me actually stop right there. So his father, uh, Isaac, was... He said he was about to die. He's getting older, he's blind, and he feels like his death is coming close. So what he does is he goes ahead and tells his son, hey, I think, I believe I'm about to die. Like, my time is coming up soon. I'm just paraphrasing. Um, it's coming up soon. I'm about to die, and I want you to cook me some game. He says some wild game. That's in the Bible. I was like, wild game. <laughs> it sounds like slang a little bit, but he was like, 
Cook me up some wild game. Give me the best dish you got. Go ahead, go out and hunt, because Esau was a hunter, and Jacob was kind of like the one who stood out in the tents and kind of stayed at home. He was more secluded. So they're kind of opposites. So Esau went out, and he went out to hunt. Basically, he was telling him, go hunt so I could bless you, give, give you my inheriting blessing as a father to a son. Like, this wasn't just like a, a bendición kind of blessing. This was like, God bless, like, he's going to bless him and bless him in his generations to come as a firstborn. So what he does is he tells him, hey, cook me, cook me this meal so I could go ahead and bless you. So Esau goes to hunt and get, is preparing the best meal. So the mom overheard him. He overheard him say that, and she went to go ahead and tell Jacob, hey, prepare a meal, do this, do this as well, because I want, I want your dad to bless you. That's your blessing. Forget about your brother, because God told me that the, the, the older will serve the younger, so you're going to get that blessing. And she knew that prophecy. And some, some may say that as a, as a mother, she spoke, you know, you would assume that prophecy when she got it when she was born. Remember when we were talking about that, that she would share that with Isaac. And she would tell him, hey, like, you know, the younger will serve the older, so go ahead and bless the younger. You know, it's something physical that doesn't make sense. Why would someone bless someone who is older? You know, it just doesn't make sense. But that's where God has called us to walk spiritually and do things that don't make sense. But that's just something that people have spoken and said that it should have happened or might have happened. There was a, just a, a kind of correlation there. But God always has his way. How many know that? No matter what plans you have, no matter what happens, God always has his way. So this is what happens next. The mom tells Jacob, prepare this meal. She prepares this meal. And Jacob, he is basically, he, he disguises himself as his brother. He puts on uh, his favorite clothing so he can smell like him. Because remember, Isaac is blind. So he disguises as himself and he puts his clothes on. He has his meal and he goes and takes the food before his brother while his brother's cooking and everything. So it's kind of doing it without him knowing. So he went in there and his dad was asking him, uh, who goes there? Because he's blind. And he said, yeah, it's your, it's your son Esau. So he was faking to be Esau. And he went in there, long story short, he basically gets the blessing. He gets the blessing, and the dad asks him plenty of times, who are you? That's in the scripture we're about to read. He says, who are you? Esau prepared a delicious meal in Genesis 27, 31 through 36. He prepared a delicious meal and brought it to his father. Then he said, sit up, my father, and eat my wild game so you could give me your blessing. This was after Isaac already got blessed. And, but Isaac says, ask him, who are you? Esau replied, it's your son, your firstborn, Esau. Isaac began to tremble uncontrollably. This was the dad. He was, he was trembling because he already blessed someone. And he's like, what, wait, 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 what's going on here? Then he says, then who just served me wild game? I have already eaten it and blessed him just before you came. So literally Isaac was going, like, what's going on here? And he says, and yes, that, that blessing must stand. When Esau heard of his father's words, he let out a loud and bitter cry. He was like, oh, my father, what about me? Bless me. He was begging him. But Isaac, he was like, your brother was here, and he basically tricked me. And he, taken, he has taken away your blessing. So this is where, where it happens here. This is a scripture. Esau exclaimed, no wonder his name is Jacob, for now he has cheated me twice. For he took my rights as a firstborn, and now he has stolen my blessing. 
So Esau there, he, he's identifying his brother as a deceiver, as a cheater. Have you ever been, I know I have lied and cheated, and we've identified ourselves as that for one point in our lives. Or we have allowed people to identify, excuse me, uh, ourselves as someone that we're not. And we've allowed that, that identity to stick on us. That is a false identity. Let me tell you what you're not. You are not what you do. You are not what you have achieved. You are not the things that you've done right or wrong. That's not who you are. That's not your identity. You're not what others think of you. You're not that. How, how you identify yourself is how you approach life. How you identify, I'm going to say that again. How you identify yourself is how you approach life on a daily basis. Who I am matters so much because that's where you go. That's what you do. That literally, that's supposed to be the foundation of who you are. But how can we know who we are? We try to find it in so many different things in ourselves and in what we do. But let me tell you, there's a God that knows you. He knows every single detail about you. He's, uh, in Psalms 139, 1, it says, you have searched me, Lord, and you know me. He literally knitted you in the secret place of your mother's womb. Your parents, they might have given birth to you. But God was the one who wove in you together in your mother's womb. The Bible says in Jeremiah as well that you have been woven together. You have a, he has plans for your life. The things that you've been through, the things that you have been labeled as are not who you are. God knows who you are because he created you. It's like a Coca-Cola bottle trying to tell its company or trying to tell others, man, this day actually I don't feel like being Coca-Cola. I'm actually going to be a Dr. Pepper today. Like, that doesn't happen. Sometimes we, that's us trying to identify ourselves as something we're not. But I want to identify, I want to share on the one that, that walked in perfect identity, in perfect, his cross-shaped identity, because he's the one that went to the cross, and his name is Jesus. So you might ask yourself, what happened on the cross that has to do with our identity? You know, we've been talking about a cross-shaped this a cross shaped that, but you might ask yourself, why a cross? Like, what happened on the cross? What does that have to do? What was the, how does that relate to me? Many of us maybe have seen the movie Passion of the Christ. Maybe that's just a little glimpse of how it happened. That's I believe, is the greatest movie because it shows just a little glimpse of what Jesus himself went through for you and me. Some people say, man, I don't want to watch it because it's too much, but he gave that much for you. He died. He took those lashes for you. But Jesus was so fixed on your identity when he was walking. He's like, I'm going to become, this is actually a scripture that says that, that people were amazed and they were basically, they saw him because his face was so disfigured and he seemed hardly human. He got beat so bad that he was unrecognizable. How crazy that it says his face was so disfigured. He seemed hardly human. And from his appearance, one would scarcely know he was a man. So Jesus was so beat when he was on the cross for our identity that he became unrecognizable so we could become recognizable to God. He became unrecognizable. He became deformed so we can be formed. He became, he, he carried that false identity on the cross because we identify ourselves with the cross. Our, our sin was there. Our, the name that Jacob carried as a deceiver was there. That whatever you might be identifying yourself today, you, it's on that cross. That's why it's so important for us to remember the cross. 
Go back to what Jesus did for us. And that's what, that's what the Word of God says. It says his face was so disfigured. He was so beat. He was bruised up. He was bleeding. He, was, he, was, he took the shame on the cross so we could be unashamed. Why do we live with shame from the things we do, have done? That is not who we are. I'm going to tell you, people of God, my friend, it, it is not who we are. But in this scripture, I want to share a little bit about the crucifixion. As Jesus was on the cross in Matthew 27, in the crucifixion, people were, were mocking him on the cross. Just like Jacob was mocked by his brother and identified as a deceiver, they said, if you are the son of God, get down from that cross and save yourself. You're, you're in that cross and you said you're coming to save people. Save yourself. If you, how are you saving other people and you're not saving yourself? How, how are you up there and they're trying to identify him as not the Savior, as not a son of God? It says the people passing by shaking their heads, they were mockery. They were like, look at you now, they yelled at him. Look at you now. You said you were going to destroy the temple and build it three days. He said all these different things. If you are the son of God, save yourself and come down. And, uh, verse 41 says, the leading priests and the teachers, the people in the church of the religious law also the elders mocked Jesus and say he saved others, but he scoffed and said he can't even save himself. And it says in verse 43, I'm going to just jump. It says he trusted God, so let God rescue him now if he wants him. For he said, I am the son of God. So this kind of makes you think about, you know, Jesus himself walked in perfect identity. He was on the cross. He took our false identity. You might ask yourself, how, who am I, though? Who am I? I knew who Jacob might have been a deceiver, might have been identified as a deceiver. Jesus walked in perfect identity, but who am I? Because of him, you are. Because he died on the cross, you have true identity. But what is your cross-shaped identity? Is you are a child, just like he was a son of God. You are a child of God. And because you are a child of God, he is your father. Because he's your father, you are his child. There can't be plainly a child without the father. It's kind of like, who came first, the chicken or the hen? <laughs> or the, the egg? They would say that, that statement is basically, God came first. Like, God was. He's the great I am, meaning he was, he is here now, and he's in the future. He's before you, he's, he's, he's going before you in your future. He's with you in your present, and he was with you in your past when you thought he wasn't there. He's there always. But as a father, that's where we connect to God as his children. God identifies us, uh, our heavenly father identifies us as his children. In Romans 8, 14 through 15, it says, God has adopted us. He has called us his very own. For all who are led by the spirit of God are children of God. Not those who are led by what others call you, by the opinions of man. Not by, like I said, positions, other things that you might try to identify yourself. It says, for all who are led by the Spirit are the children of God. So you have not received the Spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Sometimes we might feel like we're a slave to so many different things, but our identity comes from being a child to God. So now it says, Instead, you have received God's spirit when he has adopted you as his own children. And now we call him Abba Father. Now we call him. He is our father. When you go to your father, do you, do you hesitate to go to him? 
Do you live out knowing every day that you're a child of God? And it says, like father, like son. This is another part of, my, of the first point, which is God, Jesus himself walked knowing he was a son the whole time he was here. And in John 5, 19 through 20, it says, so Jesus explained, I tell you the truth, the son can do nothing by himself. Jesus himself said that. He said, I myself can do nothing by myself. Basically, say, I rely on God. When have we tried to rely on God so many times, like on ourselves so many times? Time after time after time, we go and do different things in life. And time after time, we try to rely on people. We try to look for, for approval from people. We try to, even from our, it might be from our parents, from what our parents have told us. And those are things, labels that have stuck with us for life. And we, we say, no, we're like this. This is who I am, period. But God is saying, that's not who you are. You are a child of God. You might have identified yourself as with your pain, with your hurts. But God is saying, you are my child. If we are what others say, we will always try to please people and not your heavenly father. If we are what others say, we will always, always, and you will ne- it will be a void that will never be full. You're always going to try to do something this person tells you, and it's going to fail again because man fails and God doesn't. You keep trying to serve people in a way, and I'm not saying don't serve people, but I'm saying don't, don't do it in a way where you put them first over God. You always have to have God first. Put God first in everything you do. So as I was speaking earlier, he formed you. As a child, he formed you in the womb. Things that are formed are in hidden places. And there's a scripture in Psalms 139 where he speaks. How, how do you know yourself? Do you know how many hairs are on your head? Do you, know what you're, do you know where you were in every single moment of your life? Do you know your future? Do you know the day that you're going to die? Do you know these things? No, God only knows these things. I don't know these things. So, uh, there's so many times that my answer is just, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> and I'm trying to find out. And that's where I go to the one who does know it all. I go to God who knows it all. And he's the one who ultimately is forming me. But I want to share something that God revealed to me, which is, it says, in Psalm 139, it has to do with your cross-shaped identity and where you will be formed in your identity and where God will want to form you and continue to uh, have you transform you in your everyday life is, you even form me, this is Psalms 139, 15 through 16, you even formed every bone in my body. When you created me in the secret place, I'm going to read that again. You even formed me. Remember, Jesus is the one who formed you, created you. Every bone in my body. When you created me in the secret place, he carefully, skillfully shaped you in the secret place. He did it intentionally. Many times we can have so much hate towards ourselves. Many times we cannot identify us. Like, how can I be a child of God when I look like this? Self-worth, self-image. When you're made in the image of God, you're made in the image. That's your identity is in the image of God. God created you. He molded you. He shifted you. He carefully, he took his time. Every single detail in your body and who you are is because he made you that way. You're not an accident. You're not an accident. God has chosen you. He has chosen you before time even began. Ephesians 1, it says, he predestined you. 
Before you were even born, he knew who you were. He knew this moment would come. He knew you were going sit, to be sitting in Utah Covenant Orlando in February of 2022 where there was a pandemic. And he knew that you'd be stressing about the situations that are going on. And he would remind you today who you are, that you are a child of the Most High King. You're a child of a father, and he is faithful. And he never fails you. But like I mentioned, if we are, who, if we try to please people and always go identify ourselves with opinions, and I've done it. I've identified with opinions of man, opinions of people, and tried and tried, and it just doesn't work. God is the Father. He wants full custody of you. He doesn't want just weekend visits. He doesn't just want you on Sundays. He doesn't want you just here in church when you come. He wants your life, that, that secret place where you're molded, just like a seed when it's planted under the ground. You can't see the process, but there's something going on there. When you get into the prayer room and you pray when no one sees, that's who you truly are. When you get alone with just you and your father, this one-on-one God and me time, that's where things happen. I promise you, that's where you will find yourself when you won't go here. Ultimately, you turn covenant Orlando, the church, is to if, point right back to him. Go back to the, uh, the prayer room, the closet where you will find him. Get to know God for yourself. If I knew my father off of what my brother always told me, I wouldn't really know my father. If I always went with what other people told me about God, I would never really know who God is. How will I experience him? Once you experience him in the secret place and you say, no, I know him for who he is and what he has done in my life. Because no one was, uh, it was him that was there. When you were crying in your, in, 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 to sleep, it was him that was there when you were stressing about this situation and you didn't know what to do. That's when he still identified you as, as a daughter or as a son, even though you were going through those situations because your circumstance doesn't define you. Things that are going on in your life doesn't define you. It's God himself said, you might be stressed on the situation, but I'm here with you. I'm still here as your father. He is faithful. He will never leave you nor forsake you as they did. Remember, God, don't identify God as man. God is not man that he shall lie. He is faithful. He is faithful. He is your faithful father. He, he has promised. He keeps his promises. He's always there. Do we identify God as our father? And that kind of transitions to point two. We are his disciples. So we, because he is our teacher. So literally, he, he's always there. Uh, to teach us, to instruct us, to guide us. God, the teacher, he wants to identify you. He identifies you as his disciple. He says, if you deny yourself, pick up your cross, right? Cross-shaped identity. If there's no cross in the picture, how are we living a cross-shaped identity? How are we living a life that he has called us to live? We need to pick up our cross. And he says, in, in the verse, it says, do you want to go after God, basically saying in Luke 9, 23, it says, Then he said to them all, Whoever wants to be my disciple, God is saying, Jesus said to his disciples, must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. You have to carry your, your cross-shaped identity on a daily basis. You are a child of God. You are his disciple. You are his follower. Become a great follower of Jesus. And multiply yourself. Be fruitful. Show the world who he is and what he's done for you personally. But that's where let others know that they can also grasp this identity. You have the answer. You have the identity that is in Jesus Christ. 
But it's important that we're growing as children, right? Children don't just stay five years old forever. They don't just stay 10 years old forever. There's intentional growth, and it's not automatic, like John Maxwell says. He says, in this world, you're either growing or you're dying. And it takes intentional growth for you to be, God, I'm going to go to the secret place even though I don't feel it. God, I'm going to go pray and read the Bible even though I don't feel it. I'm going to come to service even if I don't feel it. I'm going to go to you group even though I don't feel it. Because we don't live by our feelings. We don't live by our flesh. Our flesh is weak. Our flesh will always tell us no. Our flesh will always tell us no. If you rely on your, on your body to tell you yes one day when you get up in the morning, and then be like, all right, let's go to church, you know, or let's do this. No, your body's always going to tell you no to do, not do the will of God. But in the Bible says the spirit is willing, the flesh is weak. The flesh will always be weak, will always tell you no to the things of God. So as a disciple, you got to know that the spirit is always saying yes inside of you. He's always saying, he's the one that gives you those ideas when you go and see a homeless person or even when there's needs to be met. He's the one that pops up and puts those ideas in your head. He wants you to step out and do God's will. Because we all, everybody, there's too many people that have had ideas, God ideas. But there's only a few that have taken action on it. There's only been a few that actually have manifested what God has given to them as a disciple and actually represent. Because we could just think Think and believe we are children of God, but when are we actually going to walk it out? We need to walk out in that truth. Judas had the perfect example. He had a cross-shaped leader with him the whole way there. And if you know Judas, he was the one that betrayed Jesus. So he had a perfect leadership. He had a perfect leader. He had a perfect teacher. I mean, we've all had different teachers in school that we didn't like or we thought our favorite teachers but he, we had a, uh, he had a perfect teacher, and the reason I'm saying that is because only because they're a perfect teacher doesn't mean we're going to be a perfect follower. We have to follow intentionally, pursue. It's a pursuit that never stops. We can't be blaming and pointing the finger. I'm not this person because of what they did. I'm not this person because of what they did to me or because of what I did to them or the hate that I, that I have towards them or the hate that they have towards me. We have to change our attitudes and our hearts and allow God to transform us in that place. But yeah, don't, don't quit blaming others for, for your freedom, for your worship. You have your relationship. Don't quit. Don't blame others for the relationship of God that you don't have with yourself. Don't be jealous of the relationships that, that, that other people have with God when you can have it yourself. I'm going to tell you that today. You, God wants a relationship with you. He wants you to know that you have an identity in him. But the only place is, you're going to find it is through the cross, through him, through Jesus Christ. Do we identify God as our teacher? The next uh, point is we are his servants because he is our master. You can actually go ahead and play uh, worship music. We are his servants because he is our master. This is where we care for the world. The first thing is we are his sons, his children, his sons and daughters. That's where we connect to God. We are his disciples. That's where we create, where we become followers and we, we multiply. And lastly, we are his servants because he is our master. This is where we care for the world because of who he is in us and who we are in him, through him. Like it says, the, the son can do nothing by himself. He only does it because he sees the father do it. How will we know what to do if we don't know the father? How will we know how to live our, our true identity if we don't know who God is? 
but we are his servants. God, your master, identifies you as a servant. Service equals greatness. We try to identify ourselves with achievements, with, with being popular, with fame, with money, with people, relationships. But service is really where it's at. Our identity has to be through service. That's where really Jesus said, this is where greatness is at. In Matthew 20, says, Matthew 20, 26 through 28 in NIV, it says, not so with you. Somebody say that. Not so with you. Actually say, not so with me. I'm declaring that today. Not so with me. Not so with me. I will not live in, in that, that depression no more. Not so with me. I will not be this person that people have labeled me as. Not so with me. Jesus is saying that to you. Receive that today. Not so with you. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be your slave. In this world, you have to be on top to be the best. In God's world, is the opposite. You have to be on the bottom to be first. The first, so he says, just as the Son of Man did not come to be served. As the King of Kings, Jesus Christ, the King of Glory, he came to serve and not to be served. How amazing is that? The God who created everything, you and I, you see the nature, the beauties, the oceans, the universe. How could he come here to serve us? That's the identity of Christ, the DNA of Jesus Christ that we ourselves ought to carry and adopt and, and, and walk in, to, to walk as servants. But just as Jesus walked as a servant, even abused by his own creation, some may say abused by, hit, beat. Like I said, he became disfigured. He became deformed for, so we can become formed. But as a servant, servants perform duties for others, not for themselves. Many times we think as a servant, we're, we're doing this at the end of the day just for ourselves. So we can become great. And I, we would want to be great because he is great. To make him great, his name great. Because we want to populate heaven and depopulate hell. That's really Jesus' goal. He wants to serve us to the point where he, his love is overflowing and we ought just to give it. We ought to share the serp, that identity, that DNA to pass it on to others. And he says in Matthew 25, 21, it says, his master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. And I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Come and share master's, your master's happiness. Don't chase after happiness. Chase after the God that's going to give you happiness. The God that says, come and share your master's. It's his happiness that he's going to give you. Because our own happiness is identified through our own achievements, through our own feelings, through what we do. We have to stop identifying ourselves as what we can do, but who, what he did and what he's doing. Because where we're at now, how can we say, it wasn't you that did that. It was God who provided the job that you have for yourself. It was God that has given you the breath when you woke up today. It was God that gave you the heartbeat to be able to live today. Where many people wake up and they're not alive. Many people are struggling. People around the world that we're, we're so blessed. And we can complain and grumble, look to the right and left. But God has has blessed us so, so much, and he doesn't expect a thank you. 
Many times we, we, we expect a thank you from people. Or we expect an I love you back. But service is giving it and not expecting back. He gave Jesus. Some have said Jesus have died for a maybe. Because we've, some people don't know to follow Jesus. It's a constant. But God still gave himself away. Do we identify God as our master, as we are his servants? That one day, I know I want to hear his voice say, Well done, good and faithful servant, for you have stayed on the course that I have for you. You didn't allow, you didn't identify yourself with what they said about you, what your family has tried to say about you, or what other people have been talking behind your back, the gossip, the hate that you get every single day. It could be hard. It's hard. I'm not going to lie to you. It's hard, but it's going to be worth it. When you, when you hold on to your cross-shaped identity in Jesus Christ, don't, God is saying, don't identify, you with those, identify yourself with those false identities. God today is, wants to exchange the identities that we have been carrying today, the false identities. So God is giving you a new name today. As he gave Jacob a new name. He gave him a new name. Jacob was called Jacob at one point, and then he called him Israel at another point. He changed his name. And it was for the better. Israel means fighter of God. Because we're called to fight. Israel was actually considered the people of God. So we can identify with that. That we are fighters for him. We are ones that are called to live in his true identity. But I want to share with you today that because we are who we are because of who he is. If you try to find your own identity and who you are, you will never find it. We could go ahead and stand. But we're grateful for Jesus and what he did on the cross. That we love him because he first loved us. We love him because he first loved us us he loved us so dearly he didn't expect nothing back he was thinking about you when he was carrying that cross to say i'm gonna allow i want him to have his identity i want her to have her identity i don't want her to identify herself as a sinner for the rest of her life and be destined to hell or go to a place where I didn't intend for her to go. That is my daughter and I'm, I'm going to chase after her. That is my son and I will not stop. Because he leaves the 99 for the one. He leaves the 90. He left the 99 for me. I don't know about you. But he left the 99 for me when I was deep in my mud and mire in my pain. And I identified with who I was. Because of what I said and the hurt and the hate I had towards myself or the pain and the depression. But I allow God. It's allowing God get to the place where you just let go and surrender. Your life is not yours anyway. God gave it to you for the purpose to give it right back to him. He's the one who gives you life more abundantly. But Jesus, just begin to talk to Jesus. He's in this room. He just wants you to just embrace him today as a father. He's embracing you today as a father. He's embracing you. He's, he identifies and says, you no more is breaking right now, I believe in the spirit. Breaking of false identities, opinions and labels. Right now I remove them in the spirit under the sound of my voice. 
I remove them in the spirit. Every single label that has been placed over you, every single false identity that is not in Jesus, any kind of self-hate, self-image, Jesus is your image. You've been made in the image of God. Female and male, God created us in the image of God. God, we just praise you right now. We give you thanks for the identity, for what you've done in the cross for us. That you became deformed so we can be formed in your presence. God, and that we can freely walk out this. Sometimes we complicate it, Father God. The walk with you. Simply walking. Simply walk with him. Don't walk away from him. Stop resisting God's presence and freely open yourself to Jesus. Freely open yourself to the one who molded you and created you, who named you, who knitted you together. He knows. He knows you. God is saying today, I know you. I know you. I know everything about you. I know every single detail about you. Everything you went through your innermost being, that voice that nobody has ever heard before in your mind, in your soul. God knows. He knows the pain. He knows. He knows what you're going through right now. You may be going through a time of depression. You may, may be, have identified as an anxious person. You might have uh, identified yourself as someone who just reacts so much emotionally and you just can't take it anymore. You don't know what to do. Jesus is the answer. Run to Jesus, run to Jesus, run to Jesus, run to Jesus. He's the one, he's the one and only. He's the one who knows there's healing in the room. He's in this room. He's walking in this room. He's walking in this room. He was here before we even got here. And he's removing all those labels those opinions in your heart, those things that we, we identify with the wrongs, the mistakes. God, I can't, I can't. God, stay away from me. I've done too much. I've done too much wrong. I'm not reachable. I'm not reachable. My, my, my hurts, there's too much pain, too much things that I've done to too much people, God, that I've done myself. Too much sin that you can't reach. God is saying, no, my grace abounds even more. My grace abounds even more and I can reach. Speaking to thank him because he reached us. He loved us when we couldn't even love ourselves. He loved us when no one loved us. He loved us even when we didn't feel enough love. You are his beloved. God is saying, you are my beloved. You are my beloved. God wants intimacy with you. God wants us to be in the secret place with you, to know you, that you may know him. Let him see into you. Stop putting the blinds up. God's saying, open up the blinds of your heart. He's knocking at your door today. We praise you, Father God. We praise you, Jesus. God, and I just pray right now for every heart that has heard this message today, Father God. This is your word, Father God, and your word is a lamp to the feet of those who are lost. God, and I pray, God, that they, they may know who they are, that they are children of the Most High King, the sons and daughters 
of God Almighty. That they are servants and created to serve in this world. The disciples and created to follow the teacher, the one who, who knows it all. And I pray, God, that you break those strongholds in their mind, Father God. You break down idols. Break down idols. You've been putting on a mask for too long. You've been pretending too long. God says, just be real with me. You don't have to role play with me. You don't have, just be real with me. Just be real, and God will fill you. I really believe he's filling you right now. He's filling your hearts. I feel that so strong in the room. He's filling hearts, filling empty hearts. We've been so exhausted. We've been feeling so exhausted. Jesus, you're in this room, Jesus. Your sweetness is in this room, Abba, Father. Have your way in this room. Don't, don't resist it. Just close your eyes and receive. You've been giving too much. You've been giving to your family, to your job. God said, this is the place where you receive open arms, not with your arms closed. You open your arms and see what he can do. See what he can do. See the miracles, the signs, the wonders, the healings, the supernatural. I really believe that he's releasing that right now. In the name of Jesus, release. God, your DNA is there, Father God. I pray you manifest that in your people, God. A fearless people, a bold people who are unashamed of who you are. Walking in this world, God, representing the King of Kings, being carriers of Jesus Christ, carriers of his presence. God, release it right now, God. You're releasing it right now, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We just worship you. Just worship him. Thank him because he removed those labels. Do you believe it? He removed the labels. He removed the things that you've identified yourself as. In Jesus' name. God, I just pray. God, that from this day forth, God, whoever hears these words and accepts them, God, that they will never be the same ever again. That they will not define themselves by no identity, no, no opinions of man that they don't live under the fear of man but the fear of God the one who gives breath to their very lungs the one who gives them energy to move a single muscle in their in their body Jesus I just pray your anointing right now Jesus I just pray strength I pray joy peace that's who you are God that's who you identified us to be it's not emotions not faking it till we make it. It's being real to go until we, we, we see him and we hear those words, well done, good and faithful servant. God, release your glory today, Father. We reach out to the heavens, God. Release your glory like a waterfall right now. Like a waterfall right now. Your mercy, God. We cry out in mercy, God. Remove those labels. Break them out, Father. Break them out. Break those labels. Break those labels. There's breakthrough in the name of Jesus. There's breakthrough. Jesus, thank you for your blood. You made it possible for us to walk in freedom. You are the God of the impossible. There's nothing impossible. Jesus, we praise you. We praise you. We praise you. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you all for listening. Be sure to stop in for a whole new podcast. We love you, familia.